I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 8 in just a moment. Matthew chapter 8. And then after the reading in Matthew chapter 8, I'll be in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. So in the Matthew passage, this was just after the Sermon on the Mount that we have record of in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So this is Matthew 8, beginning at verse 1, down through verse 13 to introduce our study tonight. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. But only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. So we've read here in Matthew 8 of two miracles, and I want us to notice Jesus observed concerning this centurion, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. It can be said that faith made a difference in this man's life. And that's what I want to address this evening. And this is what I hope each of us will think about this evening together. Does your faith make a difference in your life? Now, the passage in Hebrews 11 and verse 1, I'm going to read from an older version. This is how I was taught Hebrews 11.1 1, and how I memorized it in the old American Standard Version that was translated in 1901. Now, faith is assurance of things hoped for, a conviction of things not seen. 
In Hebrews 11, 1, faith is defined in terms of what faith does. Faith assures us of things hoped for and convinces us of things not seen. Now, process that with me a moment. I was not a witness to the life and death of Christ. You were not there when he came alive from the tomb. None of us were present on the day of Pentecost, and we were not the original recipients of the New Testament letters. But from our contact with Scripture, we have come to believe in Christ. The evidence is more than sufficient to persuade us and assure us of things hoped for and things not seen. We are lovers of God, believers in Jesus Christ, thankful for the words given by the Holy Spirit. God has granted to us, Peter said in 2 Peter 1, 3, all things that pertain to life and godliness. The present question is, the present question is, does all this make a difference in the way we live day after day? Does our faith make a difference in our lives? And I want to express that idea in several different ways before we go home tonight. Faith should make a difference in what you think in the book of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind." that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When the gospel is presented and you come to faith in Christ and you activate that faith in confession, repentance, and baptism, one aspect of your response to the gospel is you give God your mind. You give to the Creator what He made and what He now owns, your mind. You let God have what belongs to Him that He created. Yes, we have bodies, and that's mentioned in the Romans 12 passage. But inside those bodies, the control center, there is a mind where you have will, emotions, where you make decisions and form character and nurture attitudes. Romans 12, 1 to 3 speaks to that. And notice in this passage, God is giving. He gives us the capacity to believe and to act in accordance with that belief. Verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. 
So God created this matter that we carry in our heads. He gave us the capacity to believe and act in accordance with that belief. When we do that, Paul refers to it as the renewal of your mind. Faith should make a difference in what we think. So, Christianity is not just bodies in a building. It is about individual minds given over to God. He gave us our minds. As converted people, we let our minds be under His care and control. This point covers so much valuable territory for us. What we let into our minds, what we hold in our minds, what we reject, our emotions, reactions, moods, attitudes, everything the human mind is able to do in process should be under the sovereign will of God and the example of Christ. Faith should make a difference in what we think. Now, therefore faith should make a difference in what you say because you processed it with the mind that God gave you. So this point naturally flows from the first point we made. Paul warned Timothy about certain men who had wandered away from the faith, and he described these men this way. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. What they said was destructive. And therefore what they said was not in harmony with faith. When these men said these things, they were not speaking out of faith. Every time I open my mouth, I should be speaking out of faith. These men wandered away from the faith. They were saying and teaching things contrary to the word of God. And as a result, they were destroying the faith of some. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36. Jesus said, I say to you that every idle word men may speak. They will give account of it in the day of judgment. Not just some. Every idle word. Is that not sobering? James said in James chapter 2 and verse 12, So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. What I say should be governed by what I believe, and if I believe correctly from the Word of God, that should govern everything I say. And so Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.13, We believed, and therefore we spoke. Faith should make a difference here, and if it makes a difference here, it should make a difference here and there. Number three, faith make a difference, should make a difference in how we treat others. You've memorized this. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. What do we call that? The golden rule. Why should we embrace 
this golden rule. Why should we follow this rule? It will not necessarily make you popular. There is no promise of great immediate material riches. Following this rule will not keep you from getting hurt or sick or disappointed. So why treat people this way? Why would you follow this rule? Simply because you believe in Jesus. You trust Him to know how you should behave toward others, what you should think, and what should come from your mind through your lips or your keyboard. Faith makes a difference in how we treat others. Faith makes a difference in what you do every day. You've heard this before in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. In life, every day, if I'm a Christian, I'm walking by faith. I cannot see God directly with the physical eye. I cannot see Jesus at the right hand of God through some sort of telescope. I cannot see heaven or hell. It is not by sight that I walk. It is by faith. And that means what I do every day, how I behave is governed by my conviction that there is a God. He is good. He is pleased when I follow His directions. He gave His Son to die for me, and all the great promises of the gospel are mine by the activity of my faith. Faith makes a difference in what you do every day. So, instead of telling lies, you tell the truth because you're walking by faith. Instead of intoxication, you remain sober and pure because you've decided to walk by faith. When others want you to compromise or join them in sin, you refuse and you do that because you're walking by faith. Instead of stealing, you work because you walk by faith. Rather than commit adultery, you remain faithful to your mate. You search the scriptures to see what is right and wrong. You pray without ceasing, give thanks to God. You worship Him in spirit and in truth. You do not believe every spirit. You earnestly contend for the faith and continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And you do all that because faith is making a difference in your life. You walk by faith. Faith makes a difference in your response to temptation. We sometimes sing, yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Here it is in 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Look at the imperative right in the middle of this verse. Resist him. A simple way to put that is say no to the devil with every single approach that he wants to put in your mind and your life. When he approaches you with all of his attractive and 
seductive promises consider him to be a liar and refuse. That's the idea in that word resist. But this resistance is based on what? It says resist him steadfast in the faith. This is not the casual dismissal of something that annoys you. This is steadfast resistance. And it's based on and it comes from faith. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith we cannot please God. Here's the verse. But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. What can I do if I have no faith? I cannot please God. I cannot resist the devil. I cannot go to heaven. The golden rule will mean nothing to me. We ought to be thoroughly convinced that faith makes a difference in all of our responses to temptation. So, does faith make a difference in your life. Specify that out. How does faith make a difference in your life? Specifically and practically, how does faith influence your life? There can be victory, the Bible says, in overcoming the world. There can be great hope, anticipating great things in the future not yet seen, but there must be the persuasion of your mind, not only concerning the events and the historical facts and teachings of the Bible, but the persuasion of your heart as you trust in the Lord and you do what He says. Here's a few lines I read the other day, and several of you requested that I send it to you. When you think... When you speak, when you read, when you write, when you sing, when you walk, when you seek for delight, to be kept from all wrong both at home and abroad, live always as under the eye of your God. Should there be any response to the gospel that you need to engage in now, let's be standing as we sing.